episode. I'm really excited to share this conversation with Matt with you all. One thing you guys may not know is that I have a lot of episodes like kind of um, on deck, I guess, (laughs) so to speak, because uh, I've just been recording, recording, recording. Um, So there's really some, there's some really exciting stuff to come is uh, what I'm trying to say. And yeah, but particularly this episode, um, you know, my conversation with Caroline I think people found to be really interesting and especially me. I mean, she's awesome. And, um, I thought that opening up a discussion about bipolar disorder, um, specific to men would be fascinating. So Matt's just super honest. He's hilarious. And I did not know prior to recording with him that he was a, that he was YouTube famous. So fun facts. Um, but before I begin, I just wanted to quickly plug Sakara because, they're one of my amazing sponsors, and I've been relying on them heavily recently, um, especially now because I'm moving. I don't want to go to the store and pick up like produce and things that will just go bad, or even like, um, you know, like pasta and shit, and like things that I might not finish and then have to throw out. Like, I just don't want to do food waste. So, I've really been loving Sakara. Just to get in my meals because and um not have to worry about like the labor-intensive process of cooking <laughs> for me um but also the food's delicious and so nutritious so again if you want to get 20 percent off your order which is huge you should go to sakara.com and use code xozoe at checkout that's sakara.com code xozoe checkout 20 percent off your order and yeah, and I'm sure you will love the food. I have my parents to back it up and my friends. It's delicious. Anyways, without further ado, here's Matt. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Solace in the City. Today, I am so excited to be here with Matt Pavich, who is a comedian and half of the YouTube phenomenon, Handsome Dancer, a.k.a. Coincidence. Hello. How are you, people? Good to be here as well. (laughs) Um, I'm excited to talk mental health stuff. I'm excited to hear from you. Yeah. (laughs) So for some background, um, if you don't mind just telling me where you're from, how old are you, where did you grow up? What's your story? Yeah, I am 31. Um, I grew up in Astoria, Queens. Um, I am, what was the other question? Where I grew up, how old I am. Just what's your story? My story. Uh, You know, I'm a comedian. Uh, I do a lot of comedy stuff, videos, stand up. Um, I am bipolar, one. Uh, I got diagnosed when I was like 19. And I've been hospitalized six times. Wow, so I'm trying to do the math. In 10 years? Yeah. Not great. Not great stats. It's okay. Yeah. So I know you're not Greek because I already asked you that. I'm <laughs> not Greek. <laughs> but you're Czech. So you've did you live in Queens your whole life? I'm not Czech. I am Croatian. Sorry. I knew I was going to butcher that one. <laughs> uh, I am Croatian. Yeah, I, I lived in uh, Astoria my whole life. I did like a brief stint in Pennsylvania when my mom got remarried. Um, but I always, like my dad always lived in Queens, so I always had Queens, uh, Queens is my home. When did you get into comedy? Uh, I was like 17, 16. Uh, I had a real weird, uh, beginning in comedy. I, um, met this, I was in high school, I was in LaGuardia High School of Performing Arts. Oh yeah. Yeah. And this, uh, agent was there or like manager guy was there to check out a show and he thought I was in the show, um, and I was in like the the uh, the lobby of the show, and he was like, "You look funny, kid. You want to come do some stand up comedy from for for some managers and agents, and and Nickelodeon will be there." And 
I was like, yeah, sure. Like, I always enjoyed stand-up comedy, but I never thought about doing it. So me and my mom wrote my first set ever. Uh, I was like 16 or 17. I can't remember. Uh, and I, I did well on the show. It was a bunch of kids doing comedy. So uh, it was probably pretty awful to watch. And like the next day, I had a Nickelodeon pilot. And I was like, oh, this was super easy like comedy everyone talks about comedy being hard but this was a joke uh the pilot did not go obviously (laughs) um but it was a really just like crazy like sold out uh it's like the opposite of the way most people start comedy they do like an open mic and they bomb and like i i i was cocky real early with the comedy because i just thought like oh yeah this is how it goes and then, you know, as the years went on, I was like, oh, no, this is how it goes. <laughs> Wait, that's crazy. So what was the pilot about? Like, what was the show going to be about? It was called, uh, what was it called? It was basically like oh, they were trying to reboot all that. So it was like a sketch oh, sketch show. They should have. I, I know. loved they, all that. They really should have. Uh <laughs> It was it was a really fun experience. I got to work with like a really cool director and I was so green and like so new in the game that like everything was just super exciting to me and like it was nuts to be shooting this low budget, you know, pilot at 16. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, I just kind of had a, like a quick like mental thought about everyone from all that though and like they're not doing so great. So maybe it's for the best. Maybe like, it's for the best. <laughs> like Amanda yeah. Bynes, not great. Drake Bell, I don't know what he's up to, but um, I heard not man was things. in jail, right? Or was that Kel? Which one? I'm not sure, but one of them was in jail. Well, no, Keenan's on us. Keenan's on us. No, he's doing great. Yeah. <laughs> you should hit him up. Hit him up. Yeah, <laughs> Kel is uh, Kel was in jail for a while. Yeah, so so maybe you know things happen for a reason. Yeah. But were you like the funny kid? Like what what made you know them be drawn uh, to you? I was always sort of the comic relief of the family. Um, <laughs> I come from a, a really funny family. My mom's super funny. My dad's super funny. My uncle's hilarious. Um, my sisters are all have a great sense of humor. Um, I I always like I remember like even in high school like I I was certainly the class clown. Um, and I would like go home some days and be like, oh, that joke really bombed. Like. What could I have said that would have been funnier? You know, I was always like a comedy nerd in my head. I just never thought about doing stand-up because that's like the scariest thing of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it sort of just like fell in my lap in the weirdest way. And then did did you ever think about being a comedian when you were younger? No, I wanted to be like an actor okay. and like do like comedy movies, but I never thought about stand-up. So you still wanted to be in that world? like? Performing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to, I, I, I mean, I went to performing arts high school. Like, True. I, I uh, from a very young age, I was like, this is what I, I want to do. When's your birthday? Sorry, I'm into astrology. April 18th. I'm an Aries. Aries, okay. Yeah. That's, my sister's an Aries. Yeah. Got a couple of Aries on the, on the show. Does it check out? Would you have guessed that? Um, Honestly, I'm not good enough. I, I interviewed a astrologer the other day, and he... <laughs> Like I had this revelation that my whole chart was wrong because I said I was born in 2015 by accident. So who knows? Who knows? <laughs> my favorite astrology thing is uh, I was at a bar once and this girl's like, let me guess your sign. And I was like, OK. I was like, you you get three guesses. And she's like, you're a Taurus. And I was like, no. She's like, you are not a Capricorn. And I was like, no, is that your guess? Like, <laughs> uh, and then she was like, you are, oh my God, you're such a Sag. You're a Sagittarius. And I was like, no. And then I was like, I'm an Aries. She was like, I knew it. <laughs> and I was like, no, you didn't. You just guessed like three out of you like didn't one quarter know of the sign. <laughs> yeah, you, you didn't know it. If you knew it, you would have guessed it. <laughs> I probably have done something similar, but I'm a Virgo and I identify uh, pretty Virgo. heavily with that. Yeah. If you know anything, I know nothing about <laughs> astrology. It means my birthday is almost coming up, so that's what it means. Okay, happy <laughs> birthday in advance. Thank you. So you mentioned that you had bipolar disorder, have bipolar disorder, and oh, yeah. you're pretty open about it. So I was wondering if you could kind of, I I actually have, as I mentioned earlier, had um, a friend on who talked about her experience with bipolar disorder, but I also just find it interesting how it manifests in women versus men and 
all the nuances in between. So I was wondering if you could talk about your experience when you were younger and you mentioned your diagnosis when you were 19. So kind of like the time for between, you know, when you were younger until 19. Yeah. When I was younger until I was 19, I was, uh, I, I never thought I had any sort of disorder. I would have like phases where I would become like really obsessed with a certain thing and like spend all my time. Like I, I wanted to start a clothing company and I got really invested in that. And like all I thought about was that, um, and then I'd have phases where I was sort of like not myself, you know, and like a lack of energy and, and looking back on it, you know, like those were mild depressive states and like mild manic uh, episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I remember I was like 18 and for some reason I like my life was good. I had like a girlfriend who was great. I had a job. I was doing all right with like the acting stuff and the comedy stuff. But for some reason I was just like couldn't get out of bed like really just like struggling with a depressive episode and i went to my family and they were like yeah you know you're getting older like that's just life like you know sometimes you're happy sometimes you're not like uh and then i remember talking to a manager that i had at a restaurant job that i was working and he was like it sounds like you're having a depressive episode and that was the first time anyone had ever, and I was like, no, I'm not. Like, I'm not depressed. What do I have to be depressed about? My life is great. Like, I just didn't know what it was. Uh, and then a few months after that, I had my first manic episode where, like, I didn't sleep for, like, four days. And uh, I just thought I was, like, the shit. Uh, every thought that I had was, like, perfect. And like every, you know, my thoughts were racing super fast and I was, uh, I, I just had like grandiose thoughts and I was like, oh, I'm going to be famous. I'm going to, uh, this next idea is what's going to be it. Like I need to just work on this idea. And I was like trying to start a production company with my buddy at the time and he didn't know what was going on, but he knew something was up. Cause like I was smoke chain smoking I was, like, uh, really, like, sexually, like, active, like, overactive. Like, I I cheated on the girl that I was with at the time, like, with, with like, you know, not great. I was, I was, you know, having my first manic episode, but I didn't know what it was, and neither did my dad. My dad just thought I was, like, doing drugs, and my mom just thought I was, you know, like, growing into an asshole, like, just becoming an asshole. Um so it was really hard to diagnose. And then one day I did a show at, I used to run the show at uh, Eastville Comedy Club and like I would pack it out with all my friends and I bombed so hard in front of all these people just like saying weird shit about my family, like secrets about my family. Like, um, I, you know, just really like fucking up everyone's vibe and and life and just being super destructive and to the point where the host like came on stage and like took the mic away from me like while my family was there crying wow yeah and that night um there was like an uh, i guess it was an intervention like all my friends showed up at my house because i was i wanted to go to this nightclub i had booked a bottle at a table at a nightclub with no money i had no money to pay for it and my family was like you're not going there you're coming with us so they brought me home and like all my friends were there and I wanted to fight my stepdad and long story short, I ended up in a car on the way to Long Island with my dad and my stepmom and my sister. And they were like, you got to answer the phone. They took away my phone, which was a huge trigger for me. Like that's a reoccurring theme in my manic episodes is they'll take away my phone and I'll lash out because i feel like i've lost all control mm-hmm. and we're on the highway going to my dad's uh house in Long island and i opened the car door and was like threatening to jump out and like my sister reached over and closed the door so we pulled over my dad called 911 because he didn't know what to do they categorized it as like a, a suicide attempt so i before i knew it i was in my first psychiatric ward wow yeah it's What's so interesting to me, so my friend, when she was on the podcast, was explaining how, I don't know if this is like a fact or not, but it's something to the effect of you can't diagnose people under a certain age with bipolar disorder. It And, it, and then my psychiatrist told me that 
you can really only diagnose it after a manic episode. So yeah. it it can't just be the depression that manic episode has to kick in. But that must be so confusing at the time when you're like, what the fuck is going on? It's confusing because it's the greatest feeling in the world. You feel better than I've done almost all the drugs and no drug compares to how the high of mania, you know, like you're just everything is positive like for me. And I know certain people have horrible manic episodes where they're like anxious and paranoid. And I don't have any of that in the beginning. Eventually I do. But uh, in the beginning, it's like hypomania. Mm-hmm. which is like before a manic episode or can be after or it you know it manifests differently in certain types of people but mania feels the best yeah. so for you to be feeling this way and people telling you there's something wrong it almost seems like like a conspiracy like yeah it almost triggers it triggers it more yeah and you're like what are you talking about i just wrote 90 pages in my journal i've never written 90 pages in my journal in the middle of the night while everyone was sleeping like this is great and then you read it afterwards and you're like this none of this even makes sense it's like yeah Yeah, i think there's so i mean there are so many misconceptions about bipolar disorder like for one thing and and i myself am guilty even though i have like every other mental health illness in the book um i think a lot of people think oh you know bipolar disorder you're either really sad or you're really happy but that's not necessarily the case it's like the hat it's not happiness oops whoops <laughs> just broke my table um it is mania as you said which is it, yeah. it's different and i think like f- for my friend um you talked on the podcast she said like you know when when she was actually diagnosed because she was first diagnosed with like depression and anxiety and all these other things, they were like, no shit. Like her family, like they kind of knew the whole time because it was, it wasn't even like hindsight was 2020. It was like, Oh, okay. Like it's about time. I got the official diagnosis. Yeah. I mean, people had thrown a word around the word bipolar before I was diagnosed. And I just thought it meant like almost like split personality, Mm -hmm. like sort of like a Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, thing that was my understanding of what bipolar was and I was like when I first got diagnosed I mean I didn't believe it at all I wouldn't take any of the meds I was like this is pharmaceutical companies or a conspiracy and yeah. they're trying to get everyone on met you know like textbook just like denial of of it and uh, my family thought that I was like I was I was like u- abusing drugs like weed and alcohol and so they just thought it was like triggered by that. My dad thought like maybe I had like bad weed, like K2 or something like that. And uh, so no one really understood that this was a real thing, including me. So it and then I was in the hospital like two months later because I, I didn't take any of the medicine. I had another manic episode. I ended up back in the hospital. And then even then I still was like. resilient i mean not not resilience the wrong word like refusing the medicine and uh i would take it for like a week and then feel really even worse and then i'd be like i'm i'm off the meds again so then i ended up in the psych ward like those i i was hospitalized six times but the first three of them were like in the span of the first six months that i was diagnosed yeah so it was really hard for me to come to grips with it and even after that i mean it's just such a no pun intended, like hard, hard pill to swallow, both taking the meds and just accepting that like your brain chemistry is so much different than uh, the average person and that you have this debilitating, like when I, the worst part about being manic is I don't accept that I'm manic when it's happening, when it's happening. Yeah. It's, uh, detrimental to like relationships it's been detrimental to my work and my career i had a full-blown manic episode while i was shooting a tv show like uh and people were saying like you seem different like you sure you're okay and and again like you just feel so good that you're like no this is the real me Mm -hmm. i don't need to sleep leonardo da vinci didn't sleep you know albert einstein didn't sleep and i started comparing myself to like these great thinkers and great minds when in reality, I'm pretty dumb. Uh, so, yeah, that was uh, that was the beginning of it all for me. 
But it's really actually interesting that you say that because when I was like doing all my research into this, I mean, first of all, there's a like it's pretty common. I mean, it's not common. I don't know like what 1% of the population really means, but 1% of the population has bipolar disorder. Right. And the median onset age is like 25. Yeah. Which is like more or less like basically you can go your childhood without being officially diagnosed, which we kind of talked about. Yeah. And on top of that, some of the like most creative minds and fa- and famous people both like who historically like historically and currently have bipolar disorder like Kanye West, Robin Williams, Russell Brand, Frank Sinatra, Mel Gibson, Ernest Hemingway, Alexander Hamilton. And like, that's just a few. I know. And so it's, it's interesting that you said, you know, like Einstein was up and like, who knows? I don't know if he actually had a mental health condition, but it's almost like it is a blessing and a curse. Yeah. And I love Kanye West a lot. Um, less of a fan of him recently but i i feel for the guy because you know i've tweeted ridiculous things i've said things that i don't agree with even a little bit when manic states uh and he has that line where you know like it's not my it's my superpower my Mm -hmm. is my superpower and like name me one genius that ain't crazy and like things that are like yeah, I feel what this guy is going through. I've I've sa- I've written these things in journals, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, it's a really tricky, tricky disease that I still haven't figured out at all. I you know I I have a much better grasp on it, and like I'm taking my medicine. I go to therapy every week, and like uh, I have like a support team now, where they're like they check, they can like check me, which mm-hmm. is important. Um, but other than that, you know, I, I have nightmares all the time that another manic episode is coming or I wake up and like I was, you know, in a manic episode and then I wake up and I'm fine. It's like it it's a lifelong uh, struggle and battle. Do you have like common, I guess, signs or like actions that you do when you're about to like have a manic episode? Yeah, the sleep is a is a huge one. Uh, I don't sleep. I don't need to sleep. Um, I've gone like days without sleeping before or very little sleep when I'm manic. Uh, I'll start smoking, chain smoking a lot. That's a pretty uh, telltale sign. Uh, My libido is an issue. Like uh, my sex drive and like, uh, you know, just like how often I need to have sex is like a telltale sign uh just like grandiose thoughts i rap that's, that's a weird one yeah uh i heard that before yeah i i like are you good no okay. not at all uh just like uh just like poetry in general is like uh i'm reading this book called uh what is it called i should really know the name of the book <laughs> But it's about all these poets that were bipolar. And uh, yeah, it's a weird correlation between me and like thinking I can rap when I'm manic for some reason. I mean, I guess that also checks out with the rappers and other artists that have bipolar disorder. And, you know, maybe like who knows what they're creating when they're in that manic episode. Right. Uh, Like, you know, I know when I'm so in a sober and sound state of mind that like the songs are not good. Yeah. And then as soon as I'm manic, I'm like, Oh, this is the greatest song that's ever been recorded and it's trash. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think there's so many like interesting correlations between that. And then, you know, on top of that, one thing I spoke with Francis about, and I just, I usually bring up when I'm interviewing comedians is the almost like, ironic or not that's not the right word but it's almost like a caricature of like the comedian who has mental health issues the tortured yeah yeah i mean it's between like pete davidson and then when the joker came out and all those things but it it is for lack of a better word crazy how the prevalence how, how the prevalence and i i guess 
I was wondering if, you know, some comedians choose to use the stages, like their outlet, like take the Davidson for, um, for example, and others like, I don't know, don't, but do you find, like, do you use some of your stories of your battles with mental health in your comedy? Yeah, I talk about it a lot um, on stage, more now than ever. Uh, just, I, it took me a long time. I, I thought it was like this deep, dark secret that I had to keep inside for a long time. And to be honest, the most liberating thing I've ever done mm-hmm. is like talk about it openly. And, you know, I have people come up to me after shows and be like, oh my God, my, you know, my brother's bipolar. He, he sounds like, j- just like what you're going through. Like, uh, I'm bipolar. Like, you know, uh, it's uh, like, I don't want to say rewarding because, but it is, it, it, I feel like it's my job as an artist to take the stigma and sort of say, hey, there are, this is a real thing that's happening in the world. And, you know, I'm a person that's flawed and there are tons of people dealing with this and these are my struggles with it. And this is, uh, this is something that people should be aware of that, you know, when they're laughing at the homeless person that they're videoing to it's like that person's going through it that person's having a manic episode or depressed whatever it is you know it's not just bipolar you know there's all sorts of disorders and uh i don't know it's i i i do get a sense of uh that i'm doing like the right thing talking about it i know that sounds weird like some sort of no it i completely agree and i found that just with the podcast like there's something so freeing about releasing all of your like inner demons into a microphone. Yeah. I don't know like why it, it's, it's almost like by saying it, it's like, okay, like now, now it's out there. Like what can you, you know, come back at me with? Yeah. And no offense to the podcast world, but that's like a delayed sense of gratification. You have to wait until you post mm-hmm. it and then you get comments and, yeah, no, like it's that. true. When stand-up, I mean, it is it's instant, the most yeah. instant form of gratification that exists, possibly. So I think that's why so many comedians... I think I don't think, like, doing comedy makes you m- mentally unwell, although, there, you know, people could argue that the lifestyle and... Yeah, it might exacerbate it. It might exacerbate it, sure. But I think why so many mentally ill people are drawn to comedy is because of that instant gratification sort of validation like oh i am worth something if these people are laughing you know yeah and uh i think that yeah that's i also think like you know there's something about self-deprecating humor and that relatability factor like i I definitely think it's kind of like you know if you look at a chicken or the egg scenario i think like it attracts people who um I don't know. I, I I wish I studied psychology because I have so many like thoughts, but I'm not sure yeah. if um they're true, <laughs> but or if I'm basing <laughs> this off of just like Zoe knowledge. But I don't know. Like outgoing people, I feel like tend to have more issues buried inside. Sure, that's uh, I mean, not all comedians are outgoing. It's you that's know, true. there's a lot of shy, like introverted comedians that are hilarious, and uh, I'd say there's probably eh, I don't know. I don't want to say things that are not true either (laughs) but there's tons of comedians that are not you know personable or uh outgoing and they're great yeah this is actually kind of going back to that you know instant gratification and just releasing those emotions i uh recorded with someone two days ago and he's writing a book and he talked about how when writing the book he was like releasing all of his you know emotions onto the paper and he said he compared have you seen eight mile yeah, of course. He compared it to that scene when Eminem, um, you know, does the the verse where he's just like shitting on himself, and then the guy has nothing to say. Oh, it's like, amazing! Yeah, I'll go first, and mm-hmm. he just shits all, and such, he gives him nothing to say. Such yeah. a great scene, but he's like, that's what it's like. You're just basically saying oh, wow. everything, and I yeah. was like, that's so true. I like that. Yeah, getting ahead of your demons, sort of like, yeah. uh, and that is true. Like what. I was so nervous that people were going to be like, oh, remember when you were crazy? And it's like, yeah, I, 
I, I do. I, yeah. I do. I, I, and a lot of it I don't remember, which is part of the uh, either justice or injustice of you know the universe that a lot of the things that I've done I don't you sort of black out when you're manic because I guess your brain is firing on such a level that like it can't withstand the memories of it Mm -hmm. Uh, so there's certain things that I do not remember doing that people are like yeah I you did that and it's just like fuck and the guilt and the shame and just like that stuff takes me a really long time to come back and uh come back from is just like oh my god i said that to him and i did that to her and like why the fuck did i you know i've apologized to so many people and like i still owe apologies that like i don't even know how to go about apologizing because it's like i haven't spoken to the person in so long i haven't seen the person do i just hey sorry about that thing i did two and a half years ago that has been eating me alive inside uh and it's awful and another thing that sucks about the mania is uh, I get, like, the confidence to create when I'm manic. So it's like this weird balance of, like, oh, I feel really good. I think I'm going to create something. And then it's like, oh, fuck, I feel really good. Like, is something bad about to happen? You know, like, yeah. the, oh, shit, I feel too good issue. Yeah, you're like, is this me or is this the mania? Yeah, it's trash. Yeah, but I mean, I guess if you have that, like, what's the word? Like lucid, lucidity? I don't know. If you're I lucid you enough yeah. to recognize that, then maybe maybe you're not in that episode. Right, but that's so scary that yeah. it's like, you know, I want to get to a point where I can identify the episodes mm-hmm. and... To do that, I have to nip it in the bud real early. Like, even yeah. before the hypomania, uh, I have to adjust whatever I'm doing. I have to get more sleep. I have to increase my meds. I have to do something. And it's been a real struggle to get to that point where I am going to be able to identify a manic episode coming on. Yeah, I guess it just takes time. Yeah, and a support group. There's people that can check me now. Mm-hmm. You know, my girlfriend can be like, hey, you're acting a little different maybe we should you know cut back on this or you know not that she's like a licensed physician either but like i have my psychiatrist i have my therapist who can be like you're talking a little fast oh that's another thing i talk really fast and i talk way more than normal i'm usually a pretty quiet person uh and that is another uh Sign. sign yeah and kind of going off of that would you say that the comedian community has been a resource for you? Like, do people in comedy talk about their mental health outside of the or off the stage? Um, yeah, I mean, we'll hang like at hangs, you know, diners and stuff. People mm-hmm. will be will will talk about, but um, it's never really like an in depth conversation for me. I mean, I have friends that are in the comedy world that I've had real. Like in this is what happened conversations that they're like, oh, yeah, I was wondering, like, you seemed a little mm-hmm. hyper or whatever, but I, I didn't want to judge or, you know. Uh, and I've had people, you know, reach out to me like, hey, I think my cousin, like comedians, like, hey, I think my cousin might be going through something that you went through because this is happening. Like, you have any advice? So uh, just being honest and open with it has given me opportunities to like help others and uh yeah the conversation is not as open as it should be if that's the question that yeah people be like oh so and so yeah they're this but it kind of seems like yeah yeah i mean i don't think it's as open as it should be anywhere honestly no and a lot of (laughs) yeah a lot of comedians don't have insurance which i think is a travesty because they can't afford to get like psychiatric help and they can't uh afford to have a therapist and i know there's like this one therapist that a bunch of comedians go to i've Um, heard i've heard must be interesting for yeah she or him (laughs) i think it's a him uh i don't remember i've just heard a bunch of people like recommend him and like talk about him but i don't that's the extent of like what i've heard people talk about going to therapy 
Interesting. And so what advice would you give to someone who is either going through exactly what you've went through when you were younger, like kind of, you know, deciding whether or not, like, is there something wrong with me or just having, you know, it's, we're stuck in a freaking global pandemic right now. Like regardless, people people are going through shit. Like what advice would you give to specifically a guy? Because I think they, I mean, I know they have less or less willing to open up. Yeah. My advice would be, uh, to get some sort of support group going, whether you have access to medical, you know, uh, care and can get a psychiatrist and can get a therapist and, uh, talk to your family about what's going on and how you're feeling so that they can read up on it for like a long time. My family didn't really understand, uh, what bipolar, what they were like doing more research than me, but still like not really getting a grasp on like Mm -hmm. the way that it manifested in me. And I think educating your family and the people around you, the people you're in relationships with, then they can sort of, uh, check you. Yeah. And, uh, intervene when necessary like i hate to say intervention or whatever but like there's been times where my family needed to sit down and have an intervention with me and uh it doesn't usually end well and i say that meaning like i usually end up in a psych ward but that is where i need to be at that time yeah so just opening up to like the fact that you're going to need help through this took me years took me probably eight years to realize oh i need help with this i mm-hmm. can't do this on my own these aren't normal mood swings this is something that's bigger than me and out of my control in a way i mean i can control it by taking my medicine and going to therapy and stuff like that but even then i mean there's people that are in therapy taking their meds and still the weather or the seasons affect their dosage and they end up you know uh, manic again. So, my advice sorry, that was a long, complicated no, no, way fine. to get to it would be to set up a support group. Uh, journaling is huge, uh, just so you can check where you're at, mm-hmm. uh, from a d- in a day to day, uh, sort of way, like wh- how your mood is feeling, uh, is huge. Exercise is another huge thing for me. Uh, and it's so hard to exercise when you're depressed. Like it, for me, it's near impossible. Um, but to maybe get a friend or a family member to help push you through that, because I can't really stress how important, uh, cardio and like strenuous activity is to get the mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Moving again. So I know that's a lot of advice. No, I mean, it's good because there's something to take, I think, for everyone. Yeah. Okay. Now I have to ask you yeah. about the story behind the Coincidence Dance. Yes. Uh, I will play, like, a clip of it. I'll, like, incorporate it, but... Okay. Um, yeah, it was uh, me and my buddy, uh, uh, James Manzello, were... Um, in an audition room for an MTV show. Uh, we ended up getting it, no big deal. Um, <laughs> but uh, one of the prompts was like a dance thing, and he had written this uh, show a long time ago called Love in a Tub, and one of the songs was dance, 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 dance. What a coincidence, dance, dance. So we were in the audition room, and I was like, dude, we gotta, we gotta do that. I was like whispering in his ear, like, let's do the coincidence dance thing. And it, it killed in the room for whatever reason. Uh, and we were downstairs. And I'll, I remember it like it was yesterday. We were like, we got to do something with that coincidence thing, dude. It's like a really funny pun. And uh, we were going back and forth. You know, what if it was like a dance that created world peace somehow? And uh, he was like, yeah, it's great. And then he emailed me the lyrics a few hours later and he was like, what do you think of this? And, you know, we tweaked them a little bit. Uh, and we went into pre-production for this music video. We were shooting a bunch of sketches. Um, none of them were really doing great in numbers, but like people were appreciating them. 
So we were like, maybe if we make a music video, that's like more palatable, like it could go viral, whatever. So we shoot the music video. It does okay. Uh, and then we got a um, email in the Handsome Dancer Gmail in broken English, like, hey, we're big fans from Taiwan. <laughs> we would love for you to come to Taiwan and shoot a car commercial. <laughs> and we were like, this is spam. You know, this is some sort of joke, which a funny joke. One of our friends may be playing on us, but a joke nonetheless. Yeah. We ignored it. Uh, a month later, they send another one with a video of the national women's Taiwanese basketball team <laughs> doing the dance at halftime in a full stadium. Oh, my God. And we were like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, so we were like, OK, this is real. So we went to Taiwan. We shot the car commercial. It was uh, one of the weirdest experiences of my life. Um, and I was actually like quite depressed at the time, which was sucked because I was having like this really cool experience. And for those that have depression, you know, like you can't really explain why yeah. you're depressed sometimes. It's just like chemicals. And I'm like a celebrity in Taiwan. We're getting put up in this beautiful hotel, you know, like everything I've, you know, this is what I've always thought I wanted. And I'm still like moping around this set, like, yeah, whatever. That kind of sucks. So we uh, shoot the car commercial and somehow it has a second life on YouTube again. <laughs> then it had another life on Facebook, like a hundred million, not a hundred million, like 50 million views on Facebook. And then TikTok comes out. Oh God. <laughs> someone rips it and does the wow, you can really dance. Says it's their original sound. We didn't even care at that point. We were like, let's just, this has gotten bigger than either of us had ever anticipated. <laughs> we'll just let it rock. And uh, it's really just had so many lives. And I think it's up to like 12 million views on, on YouTube. You could be making money off of it in TikTok. No, I don't know how to do that. Yeah, I don't either. You should hire someone like 16. Yeah. Because like, I feel like you could definitely be making a lot of money off of that. So I like was reading this thing about how Addison Ray made like 200. No, it was like $2,000 off like the first 10 minutes she put out this one video. Wow. Good for her. Yeah. I don't know who that is, but she's like very TikTok famous. TikTok famous. <laughs> you could like once COVID's uh, over, you could try to go back to Taiwan for like. I would love to go to Taiwan. World, man. That world was, tour. That like was <laughs> we talked about it. Uh, me and James kind of had like a falling out in recent uh times a lot of it had to do with my mental health issues you know being partners with someone that you know uh has ruined opportunities and things like that so there's that um which speaks to how mental health can affect your career and personal relationships um so we still gotta sort all that out but um yeah it's been the wildest uh ride that any music video could have it's had so many lives and people love it kids love it yeah toddlers oh. people have sent us videos of toddlers dancing to the song <laughs> it's so cute and so weird we got invited to a wedding in pittsburgh we didn't go but uh god bless that couple that invited us to their wedding it would be pittsburgh that's hilarious my yeah. dad's a big he's from there so he's like a big pittsburgh guy <laughs> yeah we got a dm like hey me and my wife are huge, <laughs> that's hilarious actually huge fans we'd love there's two tickets you know <laughs> uh, to our wedding if either of you want to come do the dance with us at our wedding wow yeah well you can always duet the people on tiktok if you have one what's that that'd actually be really funny you just like make a video to them and and be like hey i'm i'm the guy and then like they'll probably freak out and you'll make someone's day wet the people is that what you said? Duet. Duet. Yes. Like <laughs> I heard you could TikTok them. It's called Wet the People. No, no, no. Like duet. Like a duet. duet. Yeah. Yes. That would be a good idea. Yeah. Just like make a lot of people's day. Just yeah. like duet them and tag them. And then they'll see. They'll be like, wait a minute. Yeah. I mean, maybe they weren't born when it was like, <laughs> like when it came out originally. But <laughs> yeah, none of them know about the music video. So it became TikTok famous. People are making T-shirts with, wow, you can really dance. 
None of those people have even seen the original music video. Well, you got to enlighten them. <laughs> I don't know how. We need a New York Times article. Yeah. <laughs> I'll the call people, them up. <laughs> the people behind the TikTok dance. Honestly, it could be like a whole new, a whole sector, like fifth wave. If there's a fifth wave, I, I will. I want a portion. I want some <laughs> equity. <laughs> you got it. Okay. So I always wrap up with a couple of questions from a New York Times article. Wow. All these transitions have been really smooth this nice, time. <laughs> nice. Nice. First question is, what's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today? Ooh, one thing in my life that has happened that has made me a stronger person today. Uh, I would say therapy. Uh, consistent therapy has made me such a better person, has made me realize things about myself, things about my family dynamic, things about the way I act in interpersonal relationships. Therapy has really, I can't, I don't know if there could be a bigger advocate for therapy than myself. Like I've told everyone. Yeah, I've told everyone that I've ever met, like, people that are doing great, like, why don't you just try therapy? See what I know, that's what I always say. I'm like, there's really no reason not to. I mean, aside therapists from that fact have that it's not, that it's not mm-hmm, like that book. Yeah. Maybe you should talk to someone. Maybe By Lori Gottlieb, please come on my podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, BetterHelp is actually one of my sponsors, and I, like... That's awesome. Love, I just, like, love... There's just... I don't know. It's so important. It's like seeing a doctor, but just, like, you're becoming a better version of yourself. Each what day. is BetterHelp? like the largest quick plug largest online counseling service so, so you text with them or you actually you can have it? like weekly sessions but you can also text with them in the midtime and it's like a much more affordable option especially when if you don't have insurance that's it's amazing like, yeah i love that yeah so there i mean i i love having them as a sponsor and just i love having my own therapist probably have like yeah. three now i don't even know <laughs> <laughs> they're great sam sam's my guy shout out daryl Shout out, Sam. Good luck, Sam. Okay. Second question is, what do you love most about yourself? (sighs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) What do I love most about my self? Oh, my God. What a question. Uh, I would say, I don't want to say that. Um. (laughs) I would say my, I guess my sense of humor has gotten me through a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, just like mental battles and uh, just always looking at life through like a comedic lens has made it easier to like survive all of this, you know? Mm-hmm. Like even when I was in the psych ward, I was like, this, a lot of the things that are happening are funny. Yeah. Like I'm going to write something very funny one day about my experience with mental health and I have been working on it uh, for a number of years. Um, But yeah, I guess my sense of humor, but then I, I always like, I don't think I'm that funny. So it's like a weird uh, back and forth thing with like, Oh, it's the thing that I'm most proud of. And it's like, also like, am I even funny? But you're just hard on yourself. Yeah, definitely. I'm very hard on myself. Okay. That's too. what my therapist says. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite quote or mantra that you live by? Favorite quote or mantra? Um, I don't know. I have a lot of rap lyrics that I <laughs> uh, that I. Uh, no one ever gets the flowers while they can still smell them. What does that mean? Like, like people get funerals, get flowers at their funeral, and uh, they can't smell them because they're dead. So give people like the their due praise while they're still oh, alive. Oh, I like like that. compliment people and yeah, let people know like, hey, that was that was nice what you did. And I like that. Yeah. And last question, which is the name of the podcast, is how do you find solace in the city? How do I find solace in the city? It's been hard lately, man. Good Lord. Yeah. This city just seems like it is. Uh, how do I find solace in the city? Good food. Um, <laughs> there's really good restaurants in the city. Yeah, in Astoria Especially too. in Astoria. Shout out, shout out Greek people. Yeah, shout out. I just had Kikladis for lunch. Oh, so, good. so good. 
the bronzina with the octopus man it's uh how do i find solace in the city my headphones and uh good food i would say love that yeah well matt thank you so much for coming from astoria and to record this no problem where can everyone follow you um yeah i'm gonna post the youtube video in the in the bio but like instagram see your shows yeah my instagram is uh at matt pavich comedy uh p-a-v-i-c-h give your boy a follow it means a lot um i deleted my twitter to get my life back (laughs) uh you can go on uh, youtube and check out the handsome dancer videos that we've posted um they're a real hoot and a holler uh, awesome. My show dates are on my Instagram. You know, I post them on my story and stuff like that. So, cool. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Matt, and bye, everyone. Bye. Hi, guys. Me again. Really quick, wanted to talk about BetterHelp because I love therapy, and just everyone should know how amazing it is. So, again, BetterHelp is large online counseling service. They offer um, in like weekly, bi-weekly sessions uh, that you can have with a licensed professional counselor over uh, like telehealth, but that's, you know, everything's telehealth right now because we have, are in a fucking pandemic. So it's just makes so much sense and it's just such a more affordable option than regular therapy, even though I love that. But unfortunately, that's just how our mental health care system is. So try better help. Uh, get 10% off your first order by going to try, sorry, your first month by going to trybetterhelp.com slash Zoe. I promise you, you will not regret it. Seriously, therapy fucks. I love it. So trybetterhelp.com slash Zoe, Z-O-E for your 10% off your first month.